Well, turn to Galatians chapter 1. It, it appears that we might be in Galatians for a while. Did um, Roger ever preach through the book of Galatians anytime recently? Okay, we're good then. <laughs> um, we're going to look at uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Have you ever felt unqualified for something? As I get older, I find that the list of, of what I'm not qualified for gets longer and longer. Um, I remember as a 15-year-old, um, we, we lived at my uncle's place and, uh, at Oxford near Ignacio, and uh, he hired me to build a fence. And he came out in about 15 minutes. He says, well, you need to dig these post holes and you need to put these cedar, cedar posts in and, and um, use these two by sixes I've got here to build a fence. And that was about all the instructions that he gave. Well, it wasn't really enough instruction. I'd never built a fence before. And uh, needless to say, the fence never got built. I just wasn't qualified enough. I didn't have what it took uh, to build that fence that he wanted. And... Um, I'm reminded of, of my calling to preach. The Lord, I, I, through the years, I kind of figured out how, how to explain how the Lord speaks sometimes. And um, sometimes I just have a thought that's not my thought. And the Lord called me to preach. I want you to be a preacher. And um, everything else I've done since then, um, he shared that at the time, you know, the call to be a missionary. Uh, and um, being a missionary with the North American Mission Board for 24 years and, and, and all, those, all, all that stuff came, came later. But the, it was that initial call to preach. And for two years, I would have that thought that's not my thought. James, I want you to preach. I want you to be a preacher. And I would always say, Lord, I'm not qualified. I, I'm an introvert. I can't speak in front of people. I can't do that. Lord, I can't. For two years, I said that. And finally, he said back, I know you can't. <laughs> but I can't. And uh, so after two years, I said, okay. And uh, he makes it possible every day. So my excuse uh, for being unqualified, you know, really didn't uh, um, last, that, last that long. But we need grace. Uh, Galatians is, is all about grace, graceful living. And um, so we, we need grace. 
In fact, without grace, you're lost. Grace makes all the difference. And that's why this passage um, uh, spoke to me. This, This passage really speaks to me about the gospel makes all the difference. So, in the passage that we looked at last week, the Apostle Paul made some strong arguments for what he called a different gospel, which he said really wasn't any gospel at all because there were some folks that were, that were teaching that gospel was related to law. It was gospel by works. You had to... You had to do something. It was in order to go to heaven. You had to you had to be doing something, and uh, it didn't relate to grace. And he said, if that's if that's the gospel, uh, he said, it's really not a gospel, good news at all. Any other message, he said, isn't good news. And our methods may change, but the message remains the same, and that is Jesus saves. So in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So let's look at at Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through uh, 23 preaching from the Christian Standard Bible this morning, making a little bit of change. I told Connie this morning, I said, well, I'm changing Bibles. She said, you just needed a different translation. I said, no, I need a larger print. (laughs) So, (laughs) Galatians chapter 1, starting with 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many uh, contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me so that I would preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem uh, to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know uh, Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God 
I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterwards, I went to the regions of uh, Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. We see here that it is the gospel that makes all the difference. It made a difference in Paul's life. It's made a difference in some of your lives. It's made a difference in my life. So here we have the source, the substance, and the strength of the gospel. So the gospel is different because of transistence. Transistence means excellent. It means supremacy. It is above all. The gospel is above all. It is excellent. And it means, uh, transcendence means it's, it's matchless. It can't be compared to anything else. So the message of freedom from sin through faith in Jesus is not man-made. It's transcendent. The Greek phrase here is norizo, and it means to make known with certainty. In common English, it would be like Paul saying, let me make it clear. The gospel I preach is not man-made. In other words, it is not um, available through the law, but through God's grace. The gospel if the gospel was man-made, we'd be singing a different song, Mike. Instead of Amazing Grace, we'd be singing I Did It My Way. If it was a man-made gospel, it would, it would cater to man's pride. It is a, at, at once too simple and too magnificent for man's wisdom. It is a transcendent message, a message beyond our mortal limitations. It is a message from God, Paul said. And Paul makes it clear that he is an apostle sent not by man, but by God. And here in verse 12, Paul makes the same point for the message itself. In verse 12 says, for I did not receive it from human, a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For Paul, the two are inseparable. The source of his authority is the authenticity of his God-sent message. The message of of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
We need to understand and, and submit to the divine authority of the gospel message. Just like Paul is imploring the Galatians to do. You have no right to alter parts of it according to your pleasure to make it more acceptable to yourself and to society. Yeah, you want, you want to communicate it with relevance and make it understood, but you cannot water it down. The message is clear and profoundly simple. So many people want to make it so difficult to have a relationship with God. We are sinners by nature, separated from God. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's the debt that you owe. I like the, the chorus from back in the 90s, I guess. <laughs> he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sins away. But Jesus stood in your place and paid the debt. So the last part of Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now you're set free from the bondage of sin um, in John 8.32. So being set free is profoundly simple. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to save you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It doesn't matter if you live in a society that is uncomfortable with the concept of sin. I might preach on this one of these days. But I found a, a new word here a while back. Um, I, I was looking something up on the uh, sbc.net. Whatever I was looking for led me to a particular convention. And W.A. Criswell was preaching. And he preached on the word Piccadillo. And Piccadillo. So I got my 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary out. <laughs> and I looked up Piccadillo. And Piccadillo is a, a, a term that, that means, oh, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's little. It's slight. It's a little misdemeanor. It's a very insignificant sin. Well, our society, that's the way they think about it. Oh, everybody's doing it. It's okay. Piccadillo. It really doesn't mean that much. 
But I want you to know, to God, sin is sin. It doesn't matter who else is doing it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Uh, Vance Havner said in her sermon one time, when is wrong ever right? So our society has this mixed up view of what sin actually is. If you don't admit your sin, you can't be saved. I visited a lady one time. I had a lady in our church uh, I was pastoring um, in, in Kansas. And this lady in our church said, I can't, get, I can't get across to this good friend of mine about Jesus. Would you go visit her? And so I did. And I was witnessing to her, and we were talking about sin. You, you know, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And she just openly said, I've never sinned. And I said, really? I says, but the Bible said, do you believe the Bible? Oh yeah, I believe the Bible. I said, the Bible says, for all have sinned. I said, that's me. That's Billy Graham. That's the Pope. That's you. I left that home that day and she never did accept Christ. She just could not get it in her mind that she was a sinner that needed, that needed God's forgiveness. I was driving through Pueblo one time a few years back. My Aunt Coy was in the hospital and um, <clears throat> I was coming home from Denver, a meeting in Denver, and, and um, I thought the whole trip, I need to stop and see Aunt Coy in the hospital. So I stopped, and, and um, she was in ICU, and the nurse, as we were walking back to her room, said, You're, this is good timing. I said, how's that? She said, well, she's having a really good day today. I said, well, that's good. So I walked in the room, and, and uh, we uh, talked for just a minute. And I said, Aunt Coy, where are you going to go when you die? You going to go to heaven? She says, well, I certainly hope so. And I said, well, would you like to know for sure? She said, yeah. She says, but I've lived a good life. And in her mind, living a good life was going to get her into heaven. Well, I shared the gospel with her and Aunt Coy received Christ that day. In her hospital bed in her on her deathbed and I got home and I got a call the next day that she had passed away but she understood that she wasn't perfect she lived a good life but you see that's what how society paints the picture oh everything's going to be okay I'm a good person got it made that is how Satan uses our society to get a false message, a false gospel out. 
doesn't matter that you live in a world that wants every viewpoint to be equally accepted. The good news is still singular. There aren't many ways to get to heaven. There is only one way, the way of the cross of Christ. If you could save yourself, as Paul would argue in chapter 2, verse 21, let me read that. I do not set aside the, uh, the grace of God, for if righteousness comes f- through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Christ died for nothing if it was if I could get to heaven just because of my good works or because I'm a good person, then Christ died for nothing. But He didn't die for nothing. He died because that was God's plan for salvation for mankind. The Bible teaches us otherwise. Christ loves you and He wants you to be with Him in heaven for all eternity and that was the message that we heard from roger yesterday at uh, at at bill's celebration he died so that you can live paul's perspective paul's persecution proved the gospel In verse 13, he said, For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. So Paul's persecution of Christians and his church proved his gospel, his traditional views, the law, And everyone knew that the gospel was resisted and opposed by the Jews. Paul persecuted the church, but then he was changed in a big way on the road to Damascus. You see, lives are changed by the gospel. Isn't that right? Why? Because it's transcendent. It doesn't require man to keep it current. It's a message from God and it transcends time. It's the same gospel today as it was 2,000 years ago. The message is from God. And the next reason for, uh, that the gospel is, is, is different from the world's view is because of its substance. The substance of the genuine gospel is truth. Verses 18 through 21. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem and get to know uh, Cephas, and I stayed with him uh, 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other uh, apostles except James, the Lord's brother, I declared 
in the sight of the Lord, I'm not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and, and Cilicia. So, Paul says here that he doesn't lie. Not even a little white lie whenever it comes to what Paul is, is writing here, what God laid on his heart. It's God's Word, not Paul's Word. And he says, I'm not lying to you. We live in a world that is becoming increasingly distant from the notion of what truth really is. And that is transcendent truth. Truth that cannot be compared with anything else. Absolute truth. Postmodernism has sold the lie that there is no absolute truth. Truth is a, is a social concept filtered through cultural lenses. It's how they view it. And what's true for you may not be true for me. Especially in the case of religious belief. We are told it is, it is arrogant for us to claim an absolute corner on the truth market. Each group or individual has their own plan that works for them and you should just understand that and tolerate it and accept other viewpoints. See, that's what our society teaches until it comes to the truth of the gospel. Have you noticed you can talk about God all day long? And most people are okay with that. But when you mention the name of Jesus, that's a whole different story people start getting offended whenever you mention the name of Jesus. Universalism. Acceptance of, of everything. That changes whenever you mention Jesus. They do not accept that. So why is that? Why is it that you can talk about God and it really doesn't offend folks, but you can talk about Jesus and people all of a sudden gets offended. Why is that? Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. He does not want the Gospel message preached. He does not want people to uh, accept the truth of the Gospel. It is one thing to be tolerant of people and love them in spite of their crazy beliefs, but it is entirely another thing to say that any other gospel is equally true or valid. Tolerance does not save you. The truth saves you. The gospel of John, in that gospel, Jesus tells us that the truth will set you free. 
in John 8, 32. And what he's talking about is the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Can't go back, can't help but go back. Um, when Peter says, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> kind of like this if I made some maps if I drew out some maps X marks the spot where the treasure is on one of those maps and then other maps X marks a wrong spot it marks landmines So, people can sincerely believe in their false maps. Oh, well, the treasure is over here. Tolerance, that's where the treasure is. But I want you to know, there's only one way to the treasure. In Acts 4.12, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is Jesus Christ. The right map, the truth, makes all the difference. You have received the Word. It is grace. It is a great message. The good news is that though you are by nature objects of wrath, love and mercy have won its, and it's worth standing for. Martin Luther unapologetically, I'll get it out in a minute, stood for the truth of God's Word when he, he was called before the Roman Catholic authorities. He stood for the truth. He stood for the truth. There's no other Gospel. We need to have the same conviction that Martin Luther had and that the Apostle Paul had and thousands of others before us have had. We need to stand for the truth. They had God's Word. We have God's Word. It was grace to them and it's grace to us. God's unmerited favor. A merit is something that you work for. It's something that you deserve. You've heard me tell the story in, when I was in Boy Scouts. We lived in Uray. And I, our whole group, our, our troop, wanted to do a, get this uh, snow camping merit badge. Well, that's before I knew better. <laughs> I don't care if I ever have a merit badge because I went camping in the snow, but we pitched our tents in four feet of snow and we got that merit badge. We earned it. We deserved it. Well, grace is something that you don't have to work for. It's God's 
free gift. I like the acrostic G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. You see, the Bible is true. All of it. Every word of it. Finally, let's consider the difference um, in the strength of the true gospel. It makes a difference because it has the power of transformation. Let me ask you a question. Are you standing for the truth? Let's look at transformation. Let's look at verses 20, 22 through 24. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who merely persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And then in verse 24, I like this. And they glorified God because of me. He had a transformed life, didn't he? From a person who persecuted Christians and Christ's church to one who was preaching the gospel boldly. Because it's God's message, not, not man's, and because it's true and not false, the message of the cross has the power to transform lives. The Apostle Paul was, was killing Christians until God literally knocked him out of the saddle and convinced him of the truth of the message of Christ. From that moment... He was transformed into a mighty faith warrior. Desperate to tell the world that they could be changed also. The true story. Um, I'll give the Reader's Digest version. The true story of, of uh, mutiny on the bounty. Um, it actually happened back in the 1790s. Uh, don't know if you saw the movie. I didn't, but there was a movie in, in 1984 starring Mel Gibson um, of the story of the mutiny on the, on the bounty. The bounty was a ship, and um, there was a, a mutiny, and they, they were stranded on, on an island. Well, one of the sailors built a steel in and started making moonshine. And the little colony was, was plunged into corruption and evil morality, immorality. Um, then years later, um, one, one of the men, the only survivor of, of um, that, that mutiny, um, found a chest that was on the bounty and he opened it up and he found a Bible in it. And he started reading it. He began to read it and then he began to teach it to all the others. And it was a very corrupt community. 
And the result was that his own life and ultimately the lives of every person in that colony was changed. This colony was discovered in 1808 by the uh, USS Topaz. And the island that they were stranded on had become a prosperous community with no jail, no whiskey, no crime, no laziness. The gospel changed the whole community. I was in Vietnam a few years back on a mission trip, and um, we were we were traveling uh, from Nha Trang on the coast there in Vietnam, all the way down to um, Ho Chi Minh City. And we were transporting a doctor. He needed a ride down to Ho Chi Minh City to pick up some medical supplies. And he was a, he was a Christian. He and I sat in this minivan in the, in the back seat. And for the whole trip, he just told one story after another how the miracles of God um, and he says, my community that I grew up in, in Vietnam, this was hard for me to believe. He said, that little community is 90% Christian because the gospel was preached and they have seen miracle after miracle and people are receiving the gospel. The gospel changed Paul. It can change you. The gospel message is not just pie in the sky, by and by. It is a message of new life. Now, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, It says, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. The new has come. Jesus may find you in a ditch somewhere, but He doesn't leave you there. You may be crossways in life, but He doesn't leave you there. He gives you a new heart. He sends the Holy Spirit to live within you, empowering you to live a life for Him. Real life. Life that is worth living. A transformed life. So is the Gospel of Jesus different? You bet it is. It's different because of its source. It's transcendent. Nothing can compare to the Gospel. It's different because of its substance. It is truth. True truth from God. It's different because of its strength. It's a Gospel that transforms lives. It is transcendent truth that transforms. Nothing else can transform a life 
like the gospel message of Jesus. When you experience transcendent truth that transforms, you experience grace, graceful living. Father, we want to thank You for the Gospel. Father, we thank You for Your grace, for Your love. Father, we thank You for all that You have done for us. Father, You are holy. You are righteous. You are our King, our Master, our Lord. Father, we thank You that in 2021, we still have the same message that Paul was preaching. And Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus as their Savior who have experienced Your forgiveness for their sin, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would come to You. And we just thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to sing this, this final song. I'm going to be standing here. If you need to come to know Jesus today, whether you come while we're singing or after we're done, it doesn't matter. The most important thing you can do today is to come to Jesus. Let's sing.